We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, you exquisite souls and my lovely listeners. Thanks for hanging out with me a little bit here today on Empower Radio. So I truly believe we all have so much more power than we think. We are all aspects of the divine, therefore aspects of the infinite. But in order to claim this power, we need to be willing to turn inward and tap into the wisdom within. For me, making friends with the subconscious mind has been an important component and has as claiming my creativity has been. When I first started meditating and doing art, I really thought it was a waste of time. But what I found was I started to feel a little more peaceful. My relationships started to get better. My health even got better. And after struggling for years with chronic fatigue and other health challenges that medical doctors couldn't help me with, it was really an unexpected and welcome side effect. Today, I want to talk about how we can tap into the healing potential within, claim our authentic power, and live a life of great love. We're so very fortunate and blessed to have with us for a second interview on Journey to Center, my wise, wonderful, and world-renowned teacher, healer, author, and expert, Dr. Bernie Siegel. Dr. Siegel is a medical physician who has cared for and counseled thousands of patients with life-threatening illness. He is an active speaker and travels around the world to address patient and caregiver groups. His innovative methods use patients' drawings, dreams, and feelings. He was at the forefront of the holistic healing revolution and broke new ground in facilitating important lifestyle changes while engaging and empowering patients in their healing process. Dr. Siegel has authored many books, including Love, Medicine, and Miracles, 365 Prescriptions for the Soul, Smudge Bunny, and Faith, Hope, and Healing, and one of my favorites, The Art of Healing, Discovering Your Inner Wisdom and Potential for Self-Healing. So, Dr. Siegel, thank you so much for being here today on Journey to Center. You're welcome, Tammy. I mean, two things. One, the word potential is a big word for me. It's what we are capable of. You know, so many patients are afraid, oh, what if I don't get well? Then I'm a failure. I didn't love enough. (laughs) it's, you know, why are you afraid of trying? But that's something that, again, years ago I saw. I couldn't believe how few people, approximately 10% of people, I sent a letter to that said, let me help you live a longer, better life. Come to a meeting. And 12 women showed up, and I sent out 100 letters. That blew my mind. Hmm, and I may add, radar. we're finally getting men to come to the meeting, you know, <clears throat> and not for mechanical reasons, not I'm my wife's chauffeur, you know, but really coming because they want to deal with their life issues and their disease and so forth. Um, and that's, again, taken about 30 years to see that happening. Um, but it, it's, again, for people to remember our potential. And that's why I keep doing this work, because. I don't know the future, say, for these people. And there are people who are told, you know, you're incurable, who two years later are walking around free of disease. And it's not just the wonderful treatment. It's the change that they make in themselves 
mm-hmm. and the message that their body then gets about their will to live. And, you know, I can fill the next half hour with crazy stories about people who <laughs> even refuse treatment to go home a landscaper and make the world beautiful. So when I die, I leave a beautiful world. Right. He lived to ni- over 90 with no <laughs> sign of cancer. Or the other, you know, that isn't going to make the world beautiful. Oh, it's so beautiful in the mountains of Colorado. I'm going to go there to die. And I said to the family, call me when he dies and I'll come to the funeral. A year goes by and I get no phone call. So I called the family to tell them, I'm really offended that you ignored me. And guess who answered the phone? You know, the, my patient. He said, hey, it's so beautiful here, I forgot to die. Uh, there are others who bought a house on the ocean. I mean, there are a lot of people in Colorado who say, how did that help him? I say, you need to move to Florida. But, you know, it's what is right for the person. It could be lawyers picking up violins and getting jobs in an orchestra. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, all the things that were imposed upon them because they don't want to be a lawyer when they were a kid. They wanted to be a violinist. And now that you have cancer, okay, I'm going to go do it. The hell with what my parents say. And, you know, years later, they're playing in an orchestra with no sign of disease. And, you know, yeah, I wish I could make it happen to everybody. But it's I know it's possible and it's up to the person. So. As I keep saying, all I can do is be their coach, but they have to show up for practice. And you can give them the tools, but they got to pick them up and use them. That's right. And well, and so I, many- what I hear when you say this, it's like, it's, don't live the life you should live or what you were told to live or what your mind thinks it needs to do. Live what, I mean, if I was told I had a year left to live, I would do exactly what I wanted to do, which right. is what I'm doing, which is probably why I'm really healthy now. I'm not doing what. I'm not contorting myself for the comfort of anyone else. I'm now living the life that brings me great joy. Here's two ways of saying it. Be what you is and not what you ain't. <laughs> if you ain't what you is, you is what you ain't. And the other, the he who seeks to save his life will lose it. He who's willing to lose his life will save it. Mm. And what that says to me, and I often get this across to high school students, who are into suicides and ending their life. But he who seeks to save his life will lose it. You lose your life if you become what others want. In other words, they impose a life on you. Mm -hmm. You lose your life. And so often then, you see, you're told you're going to die. Oh, then uh, I think what I'll do is lose the untrue self, the life that wasn't me, and start living my life. And then you really save your life. And well, yeah, because so, if you're told you're going to die, it's like, I have nothing left to lose. Yeah. I so you drop all now. that. That's right. And we shouldn't wait till we have a disaster, which is what most people do. And then they write a book about it. Look what I learned and look what uh, the books have <laughs> all been written. I keep telling people that, you know, I mean, there's nothing I, new under the sun. Yeah. I found a lot of people, mostly psychiatrists had already written my book, if you know what I mean, that because people came to them to get help now that they were told they're going to die and got their life straightened out and then didn't die. And even hospices, I always say, you want to know a good hospice? Go in and say, do you have dropouts and graduation? <laughs> and the good ones do. They say, yeah, we send a lot of people home. We have parties and send them home. Why? Because they help people get their life in order. 
And then people say, you know, I feel better. Hadn't talked to my daughter in 10 years. Now you've helped me form a relationship with her. So I'm going to go home, spend more time with my daughter. Yeah, all those things that happen. That's so uh, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, So I I say to people, keep, think of it as complete. Try to make your life complete. And that is not about perfection, Mm -hmm. but it's about a wholeness. Yes. I always say the animals demonstrate it better than people. See, the other thing you brought up, I'm glad it popped into my head again, was (laughs) there are two aspects. We have the intellectual mind and we have the unconscious. Yes. See, you go so to glad sleep. you're talking about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go to sleep. The unconscious creates your dreams. But the consciousness knows the future because it's creating it, literally. And it also knows what's going on in your body. So your body can speak through images. And you can be presented with the future through images. And again, in dreams and in drawings, there's past, present, and future. But People need to pay attention to that inner wisdom, not just, well, I think I need to do this. I mean, you know, I listen to men say, what's the point in living? I can't work anymore. I mean, you know, it's that intellectual head that uh, doesn't see life as anything more than, you know, what am I here to do? And, you know, it's part of why women who see life as about relationships do better with every disease. Uh, you know, statistical survival than men do. Uh, And men with relationships do better than the single men. But again, it's having your authenticity and your your, your true self and living that life. And um, I have something that uh, psychiatrist George Solomon wrote years ago because he noticed AIDS patients had a personality when they were survivors. And so he put it together and called it immune competent personality. And people can read it (laughs) on my website. But again, it's the ability to say no to things you don't want to do, ask for help, um, have some joy in your life and and just very simple things, you know, and meaning in your life and expressing feelings. Because again, when we are losing our life to please everybody else, I always say to an audience, got twin sisters. One's a sweet kid, internalizes her anger, does everything to please her parents. And then her sister, who's one hell of a devil, driving everybody crazy. Who's more likely to get breast cancer? The people pleaser. Everybody Mm -hmm. votes for the good girl. Yeah. And it's, again, what's going on internally in her when she's not living her life? Yeah, you say um, people who don't share their troubles and neglect their own needs are the ones that are most likely to become ill. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's expressing feelings, asking for help. Remember, other people have the same rights you have. So if you ask somebody to do something and they say no, hey, that's okay. They're taking care of themselves. See, nurses have a lot of trouble saying no to things they don't want to do. Because it's like that nursing personality. You know, I got to help everybody, save everybody. Caretaker. Mm -hmm. But then they get themselves sick. So if you don't say no to what you want to do, don't want to do, you're saying no to yourself. See, that's what people need to understand. I ask you to do me a favor. You don't want to do it, but you do it. So what are you telling yourself? I don't don't matter. I don't care about you. Yeah, right. So then you have to get sick to take, you know, to get attention and get care. Or to be done or finally create a boundary. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. Monday morning teaches us more heart attacks, strokes, suicides, and illnesses. And uh, that makes it so obvious you can't separate your mind and your body. Now, we are holistic beings. And something I say all the time is find your authentic shape, whatever that is, which to me means like yourself, love yourself, honor yourself, respect yourself, um, take care of yourself, put yourself at the top of the love list, and then everything else will take care of itself. The other pieces of the puzzle will show up. You're going to be relaxed in your skin. You're not just a doing being. You're a human being. To take care of yourself. I, I often ask the question, <clears throat> when you get to heaven and they ask you, how do you want to be introduced to God? What would you say? <laughs> and the answer that gets you in is, tell God his child is here. If you say I'm a doctor or I'm a therapist, God says, come back when you know who you are. Because you said that at the beginning. Let me make You're this all point. children. Mm-hmm. See, the Bible tells us we are made in the image of God. Yes. The image of God are we made, see? And that doesn't mean we look like God. What struck me the other day, because one of our kids was talking about, um, sent me some article, but it was about you know the inner cellular metabolism, what's going on in cells, and how they take things in and out, and you know what they're doing. And that's when I thought, yeah, that's what God was talking about. See what what God is made out of, we're made out of. We are in the image of God. Yes, but imagine that's not like talking this. about our appearance because we all need to be different so we recognize each other. But <laughs> within us is the sameness, and it, this, the universe is like our body. I always say, if you got a cell in the liver, does it know what's going on in your brain? Um, you know, they haven't met each other. It's like another <laughs> planet is out there somewhere. But there is communication through the consciousness. Yes. And that's the part I've really learned um, that, uh, I mean, you probably think I'm, you know, psychotic if I told you all the things that have happened to me. But I kind of doubt it. (laughs) I hear voices talking to me and they have always spoken the truth and made a a powerful change in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a near death experience choking as a four year old on a toy. A friend said over the phone, why are you living this life? And I went into a trance and had a past life experience. I mean, all these things that I never looked for. You know, I, I wasn't going to therapists or believing in anything. I was just, you know, talking on the phone. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I think you came in pretty conscious. And then you had yeah. parents that really loved yeah. you, wanted you, adored you. Um your they grandmother were, stroked your face because yeah. you had that delivery and you weren't the most beautiful baby. <laughs> no. Yeah, you well, my mother. You to the of, core of your being. You know, see, what's interesting, my whole life, I always say it should be a movie or it's certainly a book. But um, because it, my mother was sick and was, it was told by doctors, don't have a child. You're risking your life, you, you know, your health. And, uh, of course, she had a mother who wanted a grandchild, so she did her a favor. But then she couldn't survive a cesarean section. And oh, when I grew up and heard those stories, see, you talk, I, you know, I've mentioned to you about putting photographs of yourself around and loving yourself. Yes. There are no photographs of me as a child <laughs> because my mother said I was a purple melon. I didn't look like <laughs> a child. And there are pictures of a covered carriage, see? 
with a smiling mother. And, you know, if I'm a kid finally looking at an album, I thought, oh, I'm sleeping. Isn't that nice? They covered me, so I'm sleeping. And it was years later that my mother shared with me, no, we were hiding you to not upset people, you know, what you look like. And my grandmother really saved my life um, yeah. and made me feel loved with her ma- massages and everything else. Uh, I mean, she did it, <laughs> as my mother said, to push things back where they belong. But it was done out of love. <laughs> and it was a part of my body. One more crazy anecdote. See, our body, Alice Miller said it, our childhood is stored up in our bodies. And the paragraph ends with, someday the body will present its bills. Yeah, if you don't deal with those issues. I got, had a massage done after I shaved my head, but and the first time by a woman. Um, and when I opened my eyes, there were six people in the room staring at me. And I said, what the hell are you doing here? I'm getting a massage. And the husband of the therapist said, we thought you had a heart attack or a stroke. We couldn't communicate with you. You were gone. And I explained to them that because of the woman's hands and oil on my head and face, I went back to being an infant again. Yes. I mean, I knew what was happening. It was an incredible body memory experience. Mm-hmm. And but I open my eyes feeling fine and wonderful. And what are all these people doing here? And <laughs> they were I worried about you. Them, Your I was soul was out floating in the ethers. Yeah, I said I can't talk if I'm a newborn infant, and that's what you people were, you know, talking to and encountering. Yeah. Carried back to that place. That's beautiful. And I do think we can meditate. Maybe we didn't have that experience of being loved and nurtured as you had. But I think if we go deep enough into that space of love within that kingdom of heaven within we let, and these are your words, letting go our conscious ego mind where we enter a safe and relaxed creative realm where the body and psyche merge the world of guided visualization. We are able to form bridges to the loving, peaceful energy that resides within us, that nurtures us, heals and promotes well-being. Yeah, I, I love being in God, that place. You know, God loves us. The intelligent, yes. conscious energy, loving energy is there for all of us. So, you know, to know that God loves you and uh, your parents may be a problem, but God <laughs> isn't. And I always say, I mean, the reason I say that is, again, as a doctor, I say, you cut your finger, what happens? You put a Band-Aid on, it heals. Right. You know, if you weren't loved by our creator, you'd bleed to death. So everything from bacteria to animals to trees to it's fascinating. The things that are built into us to allow us to alter our genes and resist antibiotics. If you're a bacteria, you know, to not bleed. If somebody cuts a branch off, your sap doesn't immediately run out and you die. Or if you cut Mm -hmm. your finger. So those mechanisms are built into us. Oh, Ernest Holmes. I love this sentence. Science of mind. I mean, I know he was smiling when he wrote it. He had to be. He said, what if Jesus was the only normal person who ever lived? And, you know, what struck me, because I'm always talking about potential, is, hey, did you ever stop and think, why can't we do what Jesus did? See, the faith that he had. And I've seen that, too. Cancers disappear when people went home and instead of dying... We're back in the office. What did you do? I left my troubles to God. 
<laughs> you surrender the, the problems yeah. and then you just relax and receive the love. But how hard that is. I mean, today, while I'm talking mm-hmm. to you, our house has no heat and it's zero degrees outside. I don't know what went wrong. We're waiting. But you oh, see, no. my comment is, where's God? You know what I mean? <laughs> Having that peace and faith and being able to live through this isn't easy. Life isn't easy. But you keep working at it. That's the yeah. key. Well, when Buddha says life is suffering, being human is tough, you know, but if we can meet ourselves in compassion and I'm sending you compassion, I'm by my fireplace. I wish you were here with me. It's very toasty, (laughs) but to know that things happen, life can be uncomfortable being in human bodies and separate from the one and the divine that perceives separation. I think, you know, it can be painful and to have compassion for our I define life as difficult for everybody. And it I really love is. when I'm lecturing to an audience saying, is life fair? And what do you think everybody does? No, I say it must be. You're all complaining. And then they laugh. You know that we all have our wounds and troubles. But again, a wonderful line from Thornton Wilder, a, an angel refuses to heal a doctor. And the doctor says, just because I'm a doctor, you're not letting me be healed. And the angel says, no, without your wound, where would your power be? It's your melancholy that makes your low voice tremble into the hearts of men. And he, and he makes clear to him that it is his woundedness that has made him a wonderful doctor. Made and on the way home, the mm-hmm. doctor realizes it because so many people say to him, hey, would you come into our house? Our daughter sits in the dark and only talks to you. You know, and I've learned this in life, too. Everybody's wounded. So don't hide your wounds. And then. We help each other, we communicate, we talk, and the healing begins. Well, and I think the best kind of healer is the wounded healer, somebody who has compassion for others. People have been through it, so there's a relatedness. I think we heal in relationship, and I think that's one of your greatest gifts, your open heart and your relatedness, your ability to connect from that place of compassion. One more way of learning from your illness, too, or problem. It doesn't have to be an illness. Whatever's going on in your life, ask yourself, how would I describe what's happening? What it's like to experience this? And think of what words pop out of you. So if the word failure pops out, ask yourself, what else in my life fits that word that I need Mm -hmm. to eliminate? Um, And I can go on and on with different negative words, but, you know, from pressure, draining, whatever. Always say, what else in my life fits those words and eliminate them. It'll help you to heal. You know, it's like you talk about your life, Tammy, and how you changed it. Now, the other is if somebody says, well, it's been a wake up call. It's been a new beginning. Okay, you're on the way. Mm -hmm. An interesting way of thinking about it. A friend said this to me, like I get a lot of therapy and phone calls. She said, "Um, Bernie, do you get upset when you uh, get hungry? No. What do you do? I get something to eat. Then ask yourself, what nourishment do I need? Mm-hmm. And I love that simple way of thinking about it. You know, when something isn't going right in your life, ask, what nourishment do I need to bring into my life to help me with mm-hmm. this? And then go and do it. So beautiful. Ah. Your words are just so um, soothing. They almost create like uh, that altered state, that place of, of peace. You know, it's like going into the deeper uh alpha theta realms where it's like everything's okay (laughs) 
Well, it is. Everything's okay. You know, there's nothing that will come along that you can't manage. Because I've seen others, and one one funny <clears throat> event, because I was taking care of a 90-year-old who was mad at God for giving her cancer and other things after she was 90. <clears throat> but she was such, I mean, she was a natural therapist because of what she'd lived through in her life, all the losses and problems and everything. So I asked her to come to our support group just to be there to share things with people. And she sat, generally not saying anything for 98% of the time. Um, but one day I said to her, everybody in the room is dealing with all their fears. I don't know what to share, you know, how to help them. What are you afraid of? And she sat there silently. Several minutes went by. And then she lit up and said, oh, I know what it is. I said, what is it? What are you afraid of? Driving on the parkway at night. And the whole room burst out laughing. <laughs> you know, they're thinking of all these terrible things. And the only thing she's afraid of, <laughs> because she's lived through every damn thing they were struggling with. And that's, you know, so she became an example and a teacher for them. That's beautiful. You have so many stories. I wish I could have you on for like another like two, three, four, five shows. Maybe you can come back sometime right. and we can continue this conversation. You're such a blessing. Stories are truer than the truth. I know they are. And if people pick up your books, they'll read this and so much more. So, Bernie, we just have like two seconds left here. Can you do a shout out with your website address so people yeah, can connect with w- you? www.berniesegelmd.com, S-I-E-G-E-L, berniesegelmd.com. Articles, communication, <laughs> information, all there. Thank you again for hanging out with us. And to my listeners, God bless you. We're so happy to connect with you. Take care of yourself. Nurture yourself. Love yourself. Everything comes from that. God bless you onward and upward. Bye for now.